It's late afternoon, evening, in the virtual campfire. Yeah. There's a late afternoon, evening fire. Yeah. In the fire pit. We got a fire pit. We actually got a fire pit now, because we got a fire pit, or just we like a circle. Need of... one. I mean, we've been here long enough. Yeah, I mean, we've got obviously got to got to have like a sort of circle of stones. Mm-hmm. Proper stones, not like clay that's going to explode. Yeah, that's not a good look. Or whatever, but you know, we've got like one of those circles, circles of stone campfires that you make, like um, like in Don't Starve. hedgehogs keeping an eye on the perimeter we have they're pretty good at that they are and it's a fairly friendly woodland anyway to be honest it's not like it's got too many slavering beasties in it yeah. unless you go down that little sort of cave path bit into the dark place yeah but don't take your weapons with you don't do it you will not need them no um but other than that... Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah. Which raises the question... Not where are we? We've done that. Not when are we? Because we've kind of done that too. We've done that as well. So we've done when and where. How are we might be a bigger question. Complicated, that one. Yeah, I know. We'll leave that one. Skip over that one. Okay. Why um, are we equally the same? Why are we? Yeah, that's 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 one I've pondered for many a year. Yeah. Um. Never really come up with that one. Might that. take like a whole extra episode to to. Let's not do that one either. What the meaning of life? The why are we? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I've I've heard lots of people's answers. Me too. To that, from the entirely deterministic. To the deeply philosophical. But for me, it's... It's still just rather a case of... Haven't got the foggiest gov. Good place to start. So, with all those questions ruled out... We're basically left with... What? What are we? In need of coffee? Yes, almost incessantly. <laughs> and what are we going to talk about on our Frithcast this evening? Well, yeah, got a good one for you today. Okay. But before we do that, we'd probably better say, hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Hello. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Welcome, welcome, and welcome to this Frithcast 133? I think it is 133. I think that 132. was what we counted, yeah. yeah. It's 
kind of off our fingers and toes now, so we ran out quite a while ago. We're still trying to work it out. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely listeners, settle in, grab a drink, grab a log, warm your knees, you know the drill. And before we get going, I'm Suzanne Martin. I am half of your hosting team here at the Virtual Campfire. And I am Kate, and I am approximately one and a half eighths of your hosting team here at Frithcast. Half an eighth, one eighth. No, I've run out of fingers again. Um, I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel entitled to claim a full half. Well, I'm sure we can work something out. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, I'm here too. That's the point. It is. So, you it's know. a good point. Hi. <laughs> Before we get going on today's topic, we also wanted to say a big hello and welcome to all our lovely friends and people at Awaken the North. If you are looking for an inclusive heathen community that is has lively discussions, has connections, has lots and lots of specialist rooms, all that kind of stuff, you might want to check out Awaken the North. Again, they're on Facebook and they're on Discord. Mm -hmm. Always worth stopping in there. Um, lots and lots of channels, um, chat and so forth to get uh, your teeth into, in a metaphorical sense, of course. Don't go glomming the lovely people at Awaken the North. Yes. Yeah. No biting. At least not till you get to know them. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, obviously, as to um, everybody, um, anybody else who is not associated with Awake in the North or indeed previously with us uh, or anyone else for that matter, you are also absolutely welcome. Um, come in and join us. Everybody will just hudge up and make a bit of space for you because it's a remarkable uh, virtual campfire with um, TARDIS-like qualities. Just about enough space as it needs. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and always room for one or two more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that hotel. California. No, not that hotel. Although, you know, I mean, we let people leave, to be honest. Oh, yeah, technically. Um, but now I was thinking of the Infinite Hotel. There's something about when they, when you're illustrating Infinity and stuff and it's like you book people into a hotel and then somebody else comes along and wants a room. So you budge everybody else up one room, add, um, add a room, put them into the new room. It's something about illustrating Infinity and I can't remember how it works and I'm going to have to look it up now. Anyway, carry on. Okay. Thanks. So today we talked a lot. We got quite serious about Carlyle's theory last time around. We talked about theological cosmology. We did. We did. We got a bit deep and meaningful. So we thought we'd get a little bit logistical and practical this time round. Oh, my crikey. Okay. I know, right? So we thought we'd have a chat today about my thoughts have been going round about the we don't have a set priesthood mm -hmm. we might have local community leaders and maybe a little bit about exploring about how where that might go in the future 
what shape it might take, what shape it takes now. Mm. And I get every now and again, somebody will say to me, how do I train to be a Gothi yeah. or a Githa or a non-binary religious leader? Because those two words have gender connotations in them. They do. But I don't know what the non-binary version might be. I only know Gothi, Githa and Gothar as the plural. Yes. And that's the best I can yeah. do. Here. And it kind of got me thinking, and it's something we've never really explored on one of these episodes, is maybe a snapshot about where things are at the moment what kind of things that entails so i do i have had queries in the past and i get them where somebody says how do i train to be uh, a faith leader mm. if you like and there isn't an easy answer we don't have an educational seminary where you can go and be accepted to study and study all the way through your theological degree yeah come out the other side and then go into being a curate, a, a, a junior priest for all curate. intents and purposes. I don't um, know what you become once you leave. Well, you can then apply to be a curate, can't you? Yeah. 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 So you become like a, a, a junior or a deputy priest and aid another priest. Yeah. And then once your curacy is finished, you then see if they have a posting for you of your own. Mm. We don't have that kind of organisation. No. We certainly don't have the kind of organisation and network where people can spend two or three years of their life studying, training to be uh, a priest yeah. of whatever description, a faith leader, a spiritual leader. We don't certainly have the kind of network where at the end of that training, you're potentially going to go move into a house owned by the collective organisation and live there effectively for little or free rent whilst you minister to the local population, whilst you're maybe in, in training, uh, shadowing an, uh, a more experienced priest before they might move you to a section of your own. You see, I'd love to do that. Truth be told, I'd, I'd really like that. I remember I remember thinking when we were talking to... Um, uh, we were talking to the vicar in the, 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 the Church of England vicar in the, in the, the, the area where my um, parents live. And he's sort of... He's sort of come along. He's been assigned to their... Area. He's got a couple of different churches to cover, mm. like two or three churches to cover in the area, because they're, you know, they're 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 tending to combine parishes and stuff. It's quite small rural parishes, yeah. so he covers a larger geographic area with a smaller number of people in each parish. But I'm like, this would be a fantastic thing to be able to do. You know, the church, like you say, the church gives you a house to live in. You know, you've got the, the, the vicarage or the rectory or whatever. You know, you get to go and live there and study books about faith and things. Yeah. I mean, the only downside is that you have to deal with the community, which... <laughs> that tends to be the whole purpose, do you? You know, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind standing 
in a pulpit and ranting at people. <laughs> it's probably a little bit more than that. I know it is. But you always have this, it's like in Cold Comfort Farm. It's like that guy, the the, the, the preacher in that, who's, you know, he's... He just he just gets up in the pulpit every every Sunday and just shouts at them about about hell and saying yeah and 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 he says I said, what was that bit my mum used to quote me where he says something about you'll want to this in the, the very old days you do, he said something about when when you when you know when you burn yourself and you put butter on it and it's like right first of all don't put butter on burns that's yeah. bad. Um, but he's just shouting it. He's just like just glaring down at people and shouting, "There's no butter in hell." <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that aside, I've often thought, you know, being able to sit and and just 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 peacefully live a peaceful life in my peaceful vicarage, just doing peaceful vicar things, would be really nice. Apart from the bit where I'd actually have to get up and go and see people and tend to people's spiritual needs and so forth which and, and the bit with god in it and the bit where you have to be a christian yes yes i'll grant you that would be i'm just seeing two slight flaws in your plan here a snag yeah but the whole you know being given a house yeah well we as even as heathens even as pagans we don't have that kind of interconnected network no we don't have diocese and graveyards and faith centers in every village every town every city in the uk mm. will probably have some kind of faith center we don't have that kind of infrastructure no what we have at the moment uh speaking from being inside the uk and i can appreciate some of you lovely listeners might have a different situation where you are but what we have here in the uk is a generally faith leaders tend to be very localized. Mm -hmm. They may know faith leaders and connections for the areas around them, but they might not know any broader than that. Yeah. They might know if they belong to an overarching organization, uh, say a group online that then starts collating connections across the country that can then start putting together networks but we don't have the same kind of infrastructure that, say, Christian denominations have access to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I get inquiries of, can I train to be a Githa or a Gothi? And the answer is yes, because I'm not a gatekeeper. Yeah. But how that training takes place, that is a whole different bag of ferrets, because we don't have... A set training program. No, there's no single formalized uh, path no. that you need to take from sort of novice to. I'm trying to think what a qualified religious figure would be, priest, whatever. Yeah. There is no single defined path. There is no formalized exam mm. that we can take to do this. Some. You know, groups will advocate that if you are leading a local group and they are, you know, you have a number of heathens or even general pagans that will come along to your rituals or come along to your gatherings or interact with you online. That is enough to call yourself 
a, a lead, a spiritual lead for that area. Mm. And that way you become that local point of contact. But there is if, no... If that group has, has, has chosen <clears throat> to entrust you yeah. with that that um, uh, guidance role or leadership role, if you want to put yeah. it that way. Yeah. And we don't have... I think one of the good things about not having diocese is the fact that if you don't like the way that somebody runs a group, you can just up sticks and walk to the next group along or go to the one in the nearest town or the nearest stay with online connections, go to the one in the next nearest city or across the border in, in a different county. Yeah. People will vote for their feet with their feet very, very effectively mm, mm. as to what kind of things they like. And whereas churches can almost have a catchment area we don't yeah so we are free to find a faith lead who resonates with us if you're i mean if you're in a, a more sort of i was gonna say urban area i mean we're, we're we're sort of not exactly we're in a town but we're not exactly sort of in the midst of it but but in in the town there are you know a number of churches of, of various different denominations and, mm. and, and 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 so forth and and many, many years ago, as I've probably said in previous, many, many years ago, I went through a period of going to one of them. And I was, uh, I, I, I basically, I was doing my, you know, search for spiritual, mm. my spiritual home and all that kind of yeah, thing. And I, many of us do. And I passed through Pentecostal Christianity for some time. And there was a, there was a church I went to in, in our town where it was it was very much it appealed a lot to a shall we say a younger slightly younger dem demographic i mean mm. when i was there i must have been 20 very very early 20s just turn of turn of my 20s and there were a lot of people there at my sort of age but as they got older and it only you know usually sort of you know after a few years they started to gravitate to the more sort of I don't want to say conventional, I'm trying to think what the right word would be, but the more traditional yeah. Anglican church that was across the road <laughs> right. um, and down a bit. And a lot of them just sort of, it, it, it was kind of a conveyor belt. I mean, some of them stayed. Yeah, but you, you, know. you found that your spiritual needs developed and your your awareness developed and that became the next step for you. That's right. I mean, my, yeah. mine developed, I went off to be a Wiccan, but you know wow. the, a lot of the um like i say it was it was this it was this sort of for some certainly it was so yeah i mean you know there is scope for being able to 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 switch from one place to another but obviously especially in britain where you know you have these sort of little villages i mean we've every village has grown up around a church mm. for the most part or at least some sort of religious establishment an abbey or uh, what have you most villages have a have a church somewhere in the middle of them and that was like you say that was your church that was where you went that was your congregation and back in the old days to sort of just stop going to that one and start going to the one in the village sort of four miles down the road was that was just something not something you would do no and so now what we have uh in paganism in modern heathenry as well is we have these sort of little local cell groups mm. and there are efforts to to link those cell groups together to start providing coverage on a wider scale so somebody new moves into an area 
you can connect them straight away with their nearest group, their nearest faith lead. Yeah. But to actually lead, there is no consistent training program mm. to be a Gita or a Gothi or a faith leader. There is no based requirement for certain amounts of knowledge before you do that task. Mm. Mm. And I think at some point, maybe the heathen communities will want to look at that in, in earnest and discuss what should be our, our quality of education, our quality of service for people leading people in our faith. We can't tell you how to heathen, but I think at some point in the future, maybe way down the line, mm. this will be something that maybe faith leads want to get together and say, this is the knowledge I have that I'm willing to share. Let's see if, you know, if there are other people called by the gods, but they're not sure how to start. Let's look at sharing that knowledge so that everybody connects together. We end up with the same base understanding. But that comes up against maybe resistance from a few areas. It comes up against resistance maybe from those that see that as too much of organised religion. And they're yes. trying to, to come away from that. Yeah. Or they've been in and experienced organised religion as a younger person and they don't feel that that's their path or they had bad experiences through that. Yeah. And they don't... The, the reason they like paganism and maybe come to heathenry is the fact that it's not. Mm. So... I think we're in kind of an odd place and there is a very much a tension between the two of faith leads and notable individuals that want to be able to provide um, an effective understanding for for priests, for faith leaders to have. There is no instruction book for us. No. There is no list of this is what your faith leaders should be capable of doing. There is nothing like that in our in our paperwork because we don't have paperwork. No. You go to... Islam and the the Quran will talk about, you know, those who know the Quran, those who in in a small community group, those who know the Quran the best, are able to lead the community. And if there mm. are two such people, then it goes down to their birthdays, and they have very specific qualifications. Well, qualities maybe that a person needs to have. Yeah before they can lead a community. I mean this is this is my understanding from what I've from what I've learned from sort of our local Muslim community. And obviously if there's anybody anybody listening who 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 wants to correct us on how this works, you please know, do. please please do. We're always we're always sort of happy to learn. But my my understanding is yes, as as with yours, it's it's the the to become an imam mm. in a community you are not it's not a case of well, I went to theological college and learned these mm. and passed these exams and, and and all this sort of thing. It's I know the Quran best. Yes. And it, and again, it, when you said earlier on, you know, you made reference to to being the leader of a of a, of a community. It strikes me that it, it's it's more about the community recognizing you. Yes. So you're not sort of you're not sort of going up to them waving a piece of paper and with a certificate and saying, look, I'm entitled to the one in charge oh look the the church has sent me to be the one in yeah. charge. it's a yeah. very different kind of understanding yeah 
So how faiths relate to their faith leaders, mm. that can be a very interesting understanding as well. Yeah. How how different faiths do it and how heathenism do it, how heathenism does it in the UK is very much on a local level, mm. very close to followers of Islam and they have a community and the most knowledgeable amongst them, the the ones with the knowledge to share and to help others learn becomes the leader in that community or becomes the one of the leads in that community. Yeah, yeah. or the spiritual guide or the uh, at the risk of using a a distinctly Christian term, uh, if I say a pastor. Yes. Uh, I mean one who is the pastoral supporter. So Not pasteurised. Not pasteurised. <laughs> <laughs> not, in, not in the sense of pastor as in, you know, these, these well, like the Pentecostal church I used to go to and, mm-hmm. you know, the, these big mega churches and things, but just one who has a pastoral responsibility for the congregation. But I think the, the the this is a problem that's probably shared by paganism in general. I mean, I just I say problem. If you think of it as a problem, um, it's a it. We could equally say it's it's a process that that's being gone through, because I do think, as you say, there is this there is this tension between the desire to be independent of orthodoxy. Yes especially what could be perceived as enforced orthodoxy and to be non-doctrinal in a way yeah Mm. so there's that on the one side and that would preclude having a leadership of structure of that of that sort of nature because you know i go to to if i if i sort of go to a, a christian church service or what have you you'll 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 sit and you'll you'll see that there's a They'll quite often have like a, a sort of order of service. Mm. So, OK, at this point, we're going to do this prayer. And at this point, we're going to sing this hymn. And at this point, the vicar's going to stand up and do a sermon. And, and there will be a reading. And then there's going to be, yeah, this, that yeah. and the other. And, and they go through and there's often like a, a sort of a lot of like call and response going on and all that kind of thing. And it, it's fascinating. I, I always feel slightly lost when I'm I'm kind of. You know, I'm sort of sitting there and everybody around me is is doing the right responses at the right times. And I'm like, I have no idea what, what yeah. I'm supposed to say, you know. Having gone to Catholic Mass, I am not a Catholic, by the way. Spoilers. <laughs> Having gone to a Catholic Mass in the UK, yeah, that whole thing of when to, when and where to stand up and sit down and what responses go where. Yeah. They don't even have an order of service. Oh, okay. They know. They just know it. Catholics know the ceremony. Right. So a non-Catholic going into that space, I got it for about the first maybe 15 minutes. For the, the two hours that came after that, I had not a clue what no. I was doing or what was <laughs> happening. But it was... A, a very profound experience in that I was able to see others performing and understanding their faith and renewing that faith yeah. connection. And that's the other side of the tension, because on the other hand, yes, we, we want to avoid the idea of being bound into an uh, an established sort of orthodoxy. You know, we, we, we use the phrase organised religion and so forth. But on the other hand, these faiths endure because they have established patterns. They have established patterns and they have that sense of community, that sense of 
commonality that binds their congregations mm. not in a not necessarily in a in a, in a sort of a, an oppressive way but you know the fact that you will all go to the church on a sunday morning or whatever time they they, they go and and you know what to, more or less what to expect you know who you're going to meet you know mm. you know generally so, know right down to where you're going to sit yeah yeah so there is a lot of familiarity yeah, there Comfort is in that familiarity, maybe. Yes, exactly. There are mm. certain community benefits to that regularity. Yeah. And it's trying to find the balance between take the good parts of that. How do we introduce those into into paganism without, you know, a lot of pagan groups tend to be sort of one person driving them. Mm. But they it's very, very difficult to get one to be self-sustaining. Yes. You know, and and it it is this balancing act between the the, the the sort of one, the one and the other. It is, and it's it's very interesting to see that playing out in heathenism as well, mm. uh, and especially in in the UK, there are movements to start linking local groups into larger networks, and there is even resistance for that, mm. and it's a very very slow process. And maybe there's also an element of, well, I lead my community and I don't need anything else. Yeah. Or I lead my community, but my knowledge is precious to me and I don't want to share it. And no, you know, we don't need everybody knowing this. That's why. And I'm like, well, no, knowledge is there to be shared. Yeah. We have to make it freely available to everybody. Everybody is going to have a different experience to the gods. Yeah. And being able to talk about the gods to talk about the myth cycle to talk about runes to talk about faith to do those things like we did in the last episode where we were talking about theological cosmology yeah i think all of that is part of being a faith lead mm. but you also have to deal with other things yeah you have to look at ethics you have to look at confidentiality you have to look at safeguarding especially as a faith lead yeah people are going to tell you things as a faith leader that you would then have to decide what you're going to do with them mm. and it's not just sometimes it's practical things sometimes somebody's very new and doesn't know where to start sometimes it's oh can you recommend a mead supplier yeah. Do I have to have mead at rituals? Can I? Is there an option to drink something else? Yeah, of course there is. Yeah. By the way, after we're finished, I'm going to ask you if you can recommend the mead supply. <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> and it can be very practical things, like somebody saying, what books would you recommend on X, Y, and Z? Or yeah. can you tell me where I start? And yes, we're the one with the homework. But now what we have is this enviable choice of of materials we have youtube channels we have discord channels where those discussions go on in live in real time yeah we have podcasts we have books we have graphic novels we have film imagery we have statuary there's all of these things it doesn't have to be that we have an academic content to our understanding but there is still a very great leaning on academia mm. And the value of being able to recite facts, which is not everybody's thing. No. But it's, yeah, there is a great kind of understanding of sources and what we call UPG, a Christian would call visions. 
UPG being unverified uh, personal gnosis. Yeah, what we define as maybe lesser than academia, unverified personal gnosis. This has been my personal experience. I cannot back it up with anything. Yeah. If you have a Christian that has, this has been my personal experience, it, they will call it a vision or a dream from God or a message from God. Mm. And that's treated as higher than the academia. So how have we twisted it round the other way? Yeah. How is how is our personal experiences often with any of the deities? There are all of these different experiences that we have and we value those less than somebody's writing in a book. Yeah. Because we don't have one single text and then commentary on that text and then commentary on that commentary on that text. Mm -hmm. Heathenism, for me, is just starting to build that kind of those echoes, those ripples through where somebody will write a blog article or somebody will produce a video. Somebody will produce a podcast in response to that video then that will send somebody else writing a magazine article in response to that podcast, backing up the original video. And we're just starting to be able to layer that community discussion and have those documents and things available for other people to come along and reference. Yeah. We don't have a great corpus of material. We certainly don't have a thousand years unbroken tradition. No. We are just starting to build it. It's that since the revival in the 80s, it's only been around like 40 years. Mm. So we are now starting to see academic traditions in queer heathenry. Yeah. Queer Viking studies has exploded, especially in the last few years. Mm. We're starting mm. to get PhD dissertations and theses that we can read online because they're being made free and available to everybody. Yeah. Heathenry, as with, you know, modern... Uh, a lot of modern paganism, witchcraft traditions and so forth. Yes, there are people who will maintain, oh, well, this is a, you know, this is an unbroken tradition back to time immemorial and, and, and what yes. have you. I think it's fair to say that we're, we're a little, we tend to be a little bit sceptical about that idea. Um, we can't tell you how to heathen. We can't tell you, we can't tell you how to heathen, but on a, on a personal level, for example, if you know when somebody tells me that you know it talks to me about the, the the sort of the underground witch cult that survived since pre-christian days in england and yeah no you know um <laughs> i but okay tend Sorry. if it's if i have to be a bit i have to clarify a little bit i have to i have to sort of backpedal a little bit on that because i'm i'm a big believer in the value of myth mm-hmm and yeah. when I say myth, I'm I'm not referring to something being false or a lie. There are factual accounts, there are false accounts, there are mythic accounts. Mm-hmm. And a mythic account is something that has a truth in it or a truth about it without necessarily being literal. It's like the story of Romulus and Remus founding mm. Rome and being raised by wolves and all that kind of thing. It's not literally true, but it's true in the sense that it conveys a... A truth. A truth, yeah. Mm. Um, so, when you say we don't have this... Um, we don't have a, a, a sort of thousand or two thousand year corpus of materials and, 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 and so forth, I would 
agree with that and say yes of course it's you know this is something that's only really started to be studied from this particular angle let's say in the last few decades or or, or or what have you but at the same time i think you also have the advantage that you don't have a lot of the historical and political i don't want to say baggage but you know the resi- the the effects of yeah, right. yeah yeah the the, the association yeah i mean yeah. i mean what we have now of i'm going to pick on the christians again i'm sorry it's not i mean it, sorry, christians, sorry christians we love you um but you know you look at the bible now countless translations countless translations of it many of which have come through countless languages mm-hmm. you know right back to greek and aramaic but they went through latin They've been edited, they've been shortened, they've been added to, they've been compiled, they've been, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, yes, we lack a lot of that history, but at the same time, we lack a lot of that history. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. But yeah, lovely listeners, there's a whole lot to kind of dig into here. And as heathens in this time and this place, this modern time and this modern place what do we want from our faith leaders what do we want them to know what kind of things do we want to know to further our paths Mm. where do we want to go and if you are going into ritual or ceremony with a group that is a wholly different experience to leading a group in ritual or ceremony yeah yeah and it's like when you are experiencing it as as a, a, a practitioner, as somebody where somebody else is leading that, you gain sort of the full spiritual feeling of that ceremony and that full connection. When you are leading that group in ceremony, it's like you're the one that's opening the door. Yeah. And everybody else gets to go through, but you get to stay there and hold the door because that experience is almost not for you. You are at work. Hold the door. I just need a minute. Too soon. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. But you are the one that is facilitating that experience for others. And when you are leading a group like that, the experience is one that, if they, that then that needs to resonate for them. So if you are doing it at that group's request. Mm then that ceremony needs to be one that they feel is appropriate for that time and space. Yeah. If you have a, a joyous, <clears throat> loud group that is likely to heckle you and laugh and, and just be this absolutely glorious raising of energies in that space where it is very much um, heckling but good-natured. Yeah. Or being in that space and being able to laugh in ceremony and and being able to maybe have a moment just to to have that bit of a a, a light-hearted brevity a very energetic ceremony then for that group you might not want to put in a quiet meditative reflective no ceremony because you like them it's not going to fit that group's that group mm-hmm. style and that group's energy so if you are looking at leading 
then maybe the first thing to look at is who are you leading for? Yeah. What kind of things do they want out of that time and space? Do they want to learn about the gods? Do they want a storytelling? Do they want you to enact the myth cycle and run all the parts in 20 minutes or less and make it a musical? Do they want a big energetic ceremony with lots of noise and drums and shouting? Do they want a very quiet, reflective ceremony? And of course, there is the question associated with that, which is going to sound like I'm being very stern. Uh -oh. But it's a it's a question I feel that a Jedi might ask. Oh, wow. OK. And and you've you nearly asked it yourself because well you did ask it yourself. You said, who are you leading for? Because one other thing you need to consider is if you want to be a community leader, faith leader, what have you, who do you want to lead for? Do you want to lead for the community or do you want to lead for you? Mm -hmm. Which is another thing that I think a lot of people who I'm not I'm not necessarily saying it's a it's a huge it's a huge issue, but it's something that you probably do want to try to think about and be be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we know there are we know there are people out there whose whose in interest is primarily in being in charge, you know, um, being looked to. Yeah. Yeah. And feeling that they to have that authority makes you feel secure. Hmm. Maybe there's. I mean, there may well be a reason for that. There yeah. may well be some some something in your your own sort of makeup. But um, but yeah, it's 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 worth it's worth a thought before mm. you start. Gal I was going to say before you start down the dark path, but come <laughs> to the dark side. We have cookies. We have cookies. We have cookies. The best cookies. Lovely listeners, this has been probably a hecka-heavy hecka episode for you, yeah. <laughs> especially after last time's. We're going to leave you with, maybe with the box of cookies just down here somewhere. Just pass it around. You're all good and groovy. Grab another drink. Just sit and settle and maybe have a think about what do we want from our faith leaders individually? What do we as a community want from our faith leaders? Mm -hmm. Do we want them all to have... A, do we want to be confident they have all had or have the same level of knowledge and understanding? Do we not? Yeah. All of those questions are things that maybe we as modern heathens can dip into, can ask not only of ourselves and our communities, but of our faith leaders as well. Mm. Lovely, lovely listeners. It's time for Kate and I to zoom away. So if you would like to find us online and continue these conversations, you can. My name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can also find me on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And should you want to find me, I am available on Facebook, Kate Coldwind. Just uh, feel free to um, pop and say hello. You can also find our Frithcast page for the podcast at uh, facebook.com slash frithcastpod, um, which will take you to our little page where you can drop us a note or um, find a link to our Discord server. Come and join us there and have a chat. Mm -hmm. Lovely listeners. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.